The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Live from the moon base, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshot Episode 337. <laughs> All right, well, that this... ought to puzzle them. <laughs> I'm puzzled myself. <laughs> but you did it so good. Oh, well. Well, as you can tell, welcome to Dr. Hupachuk, and we are back. And not a moment too soon. So, uh, this is Louis Trapani. Um, I'm scraping off the rust of my podcasting abilities here, scraping it off. <laughs> ah, no worse for wear. So, joining me on this splendid podcast, we're going to mix things up again. We're going to start with this side. We usually start on that side of the pond, but we're going to start with this side of the pond, and we're going to start with Lee Shackelford because this is his episode number 337. Yay! (laughs) It's my favorite number, 337. Yes. (laughs) And we'll give extra credit for those listeners that can figure out why. That's right. Anyone who's owned a... Yeah, pocket calculator or digital <laughs> clock will. <laughs> who's ever dropped their clock on the floor will know why and, Lee likes the number 337. <laughs> especially if you dropped it and it landed upside down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hi guys, it's great to be back. Yes, yes, good to have you back. All right, well, adding a little atmosphere to our intro here. Now we'll go across the pond. We're skips. We're hopping and skipping across the pond. So now we're going to go across the pond, and we'll introduce the one and only Dave A.C. Cooper. Hey, hiya! I'm feeling very animated tonight, guys. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. You look a little black and white too. Yeah, but only yeah. half of you is animated. Yeah, a bit of half tone, I think. A bit of half tone there. Ah, all right. Good to have you back, Dave. And we've got to skip and jump and hop and merrily go across the great pond we call the Atlantic. And we're going to introduce Mr. Kyle Jones. Hello, it is good to be back again. And I'm actually very glad to... I've missed you guys. I had a little cybernetic uh, brain freeze there for a moment, but I am glad to be back with you guys. 
We all have those brain freezes from time to time. And you do that so much better than me. <laughs> Kudos. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> I think you should get a room. <laughs> a cyber room so we can cyber together. Fantastic. Wow. It's amazing how, how, how quickly that gets annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of, of getting annoying, we'll we'll, we'll cut the uh, um, the atmosphere a little bit so we can dive into what we call the news. But um, it's good to be back. It's um, it's been a while, but it's I, I think we said that the last time we came back, and I don't want to jinx us again. So uh, we were about to record a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, about three weeks ago, and um, then we had well, what it was Hermine? Not Hermine. Was it Hermine? Yeah, Hurricane. Hermine, that was tropical storm, and and it just uh, was predicted to come here, and then um, it didn't. But uh, we, you know, but it was on one of the recording days. Uh, I'll tell you why it didn't. I phoned the base up on the moon and told them to redirect it. Yes, redirected it. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Where were you in 2012, Dave? Where were you (laughs) in 2012? I was walking on the moon. (laughs) Walking on the moon. They're, so. they're not really operating until 2070, I don't think. So, yeah. you know, yeah. got to be. And if you haven't picked it up soon, on later in this broadcast, we'll be reviewing a classic episode, The Moon Base, a Patrick Troughton classic. Yes. And... It's about controlling the weather and stuff, and that's what we're On the moon, talking. yes. Yeah. So, um, something to look forward to there. So... From um, you, so get if you haven't seen it recently, now is your time to get prepared, start watching it, and um, you may want to pause this podcast and then come back to it when you have. So, oh, so then, yeah, so then uh, my schedule sort of uh, turned upside down, inside out. So then, uh, but anyway, we're here now. I'm saying after the hurricane, then then we try to reschedule again. But then, um, of course, things um, outside of podcasting world um, events uh, require that my schedule get rearranged. And it has since happened and has passed. And now we're here recording. But I want to thank everyone, all our listeners, for hanging in there during the um, the dry months for Podshock and Doctor Who as well. But we got some news coming that um, that should whet your appetite for new Doctor Who and spinoffs and and even more that we'll save for the news segment. So um, anything, any any other um, banter that we need to um, talk about before heading into the news? Mm, one thing I just thought about that we missed while we were gone, we had two events, and this is sort of newsworthy. For Since we're on Podshock, I'll mention it first. Uh, August will would have uh, marked our 11th year. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Kyle, for mentioning that. Yeah, it was, uh, we're, um, that was our 11th anniversary. We started in 2005, 2005. <laughs> Uh, started in July, late July, and then the first episode got out, um, I think it was early August, August 9th, was it? August the 9th, yes. Mm-hmm. So, and, and also, uh, while we were gone, Dave and Ian for the Cultdom Collective had seven years of Cultdom. Yes, yeah, seven years. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, seven if years. You're, if you were a Vulcan, it would be a very... 
Um, <laughs> it'll be a very exciting year. Yeah. So I will say on on it's record, Ian, Ian and I have not indulged in the pong bar. <laughs> at least not together. Well, as far as we know, at least it wasn't recorded. <laughs> no pictures. It didn't happen. Recorded lies. <laughs> That's right. Having having brought up the uh, the sixth doctor's name, we should mention that Ian couldn't be with us tonight. And uh... yes, we tried. We, d- we, yeah. we you know it's when you get five people or four people or how many people are we? If you count me twice, yeah. um, <laughs> actually you can you can just count me once nowadays. All right, so um, we'll head over to the news. As we said, we have um, news that might whet your appetite for more Doctor Who, and but you know we always um, sort of end off on somber news, so we don't want to we don't want to end off on somber news. So for a change, we're gonna we'll take the somber news first, and then the rest of the news will be all uplifting, in comparison. Well done. I thought so. All right, so um, Dave actually brought this to my attention today. I hadn't heard, and it's, we have a loss once again to report in the Doctor Who community. Terence Baylor, who uh, appeared in two Doctor Who stories, uh, one of them was the uh, first Doctor story, The Ark, in 1969, and the other, a second Doctor story, his uh, grand finale story, The War Games. And um, there's a... Uh, picture of him in Doctor Who news, and um, uh, definitely recognizable. He's uh, done other television work as well. Um, you know, probably, um, I'm just trying. I'm just going through some of the names here that might be recognizable to some of you, but maybe not. I'll just go through all of them: Hamlet, Moonstrike, uh, Compact, um, uh, Marguerite. If I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, I think people are more likely to know him from the Terry, uh, Terry Gilliam films. Yeah, he's, he was in oh. Time Bandits in Brazil. And, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. I, he does, I mean, he does have a strike. I mean, of course I've seen him in Doctor Who, but yeah, I, I definitely have seen him elsewhere. And he was the Bloody Baron in the Harry Potter films. Uh, ah. Strangely enough, I can't summon the Bloody Baron to mind right now, but but that was him. It was yeah. probably uh, it was either the ghost or one of those in the pictures, you know, where they had the, the yeah, baby pictures yeah, yeah. on the wall. He was the one who wasn't John Cleese, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, from New Zealand as well. Um, Speaking of time, Bennis, we also had another loss in our, our community. Even though I don't think he, to my to my offhand, I don't think he was in Doctor Who. Strangely enough, oddly enough, you would think he might have been uh, Kenny Baker, uh, who played most That's famously R two D two has uh, hmm. recently passed as well. Was, he was in Time Bennett's with um, Terence Baylor. It is, it is sad, but um, I, I just add some little bit of good news in here. Since I'm in the UK, already time travelling to the 22nd of September, uh, it's Fraser Hines' seven, uh, 72nd birthday here today in the UK. Tomorrow for you guys, oh. but uh, Fraser Hines will be 72. So very apropos. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful. No, that's great. Um, I hope he's doing well. I, um, you know, it's he's been a guest on our show a few times, and it's always been a delight to have him here. And um, yeah. I'm hoping he's doing well. Okay. Happily, I've been here, here. To, gotten to chat with the Fraser Hines myself, and also with uh, Kenny Baker very briefly. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I, th I think he's sorry to interrupt. I think he has been doing well because I think he was on the Doctor Who cruise recently. You know, the because uh, uh, he he tweeted a lovely picture of uh, Colin small he said uh, Colin's enjoying the cruise and he was fast asleep I don't know he was actually on a a, a podcasting panel I watching from the chairs but uh, him and Colin seem to have a rare old time together uh, and also they seem to mix a lot with uh, David Howe and Sam Stone they seem to get together quite a lot so they're, they're having a yeah, they're, they're all uh, I shouldn't say they're all but the men behaving badly at the moment those two in the nicest possible way. Yeah, so um, I did, obviously I, I've never met Terence Baylor, but I did meet uh, Kenny Baker once. So he was at a uh, he was here on Long Island at an Icon convention. I think it was memory serves. It must maybe it was two thousand and seven or eight somewhere in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. So it's it's good. It's been a good nine years or so years ago, and um, he seemed very well then. And um, it's I know. Um, I can't remember offhand, uh, but I remember at the time of his passing, that he, they said that he was um, he was suffering from an illness towards the end. So, yeah. anyway, so it's a sad <laughs> loss. I, I didn't, you know, um, I, I spoke with him a little bit. I, I remember at you know at the convention, but you know, I didn't for some reason. I, I don't think I got any photos. Maybe I didn't have my camera with me, or I don't know what hmm. the situation was. But um, I don't know, remember. You know, you I think would have my maybe it was before the iPhone. <laughs> Maybe it was, maybe it was two thousand. Yeah. Maybe it was two thousand and seven. But and yeah. Icon is usually in March, and the Icon came and, and the iPhone came out in June. So maybe that explains it. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to better news. Um, as we know, a spinoff is coming from um, another spinoff of Doctor Who's coming. We've had the likes of well, before the show started, we were reminiscing of on uh, the Canine spinoff, the original Doctor Who spinoff, Canine and Company. <laughs> I think reminiscing is the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I, here we go. No, uh, you know we what, you, you, you know what I'm d about to do. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> well, we won't do the whole theme. Just this part. No, this part coming up. <laughs> I'm back in the 80s. All right. That is so 80s. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just uh, erase that from our memory. Erase memory banks. <laughs> memory erased. Oh, bless you, K9. Program achievable, master. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he actually had two spin-offs because then later, more recent years, there was uh, the Australian uh, which uh, spin-off, which was called K9: The Series, which may make you really appreciate K9 and Company. Uh, yes. <laughs> Right. Oh, I was yes. say, it was astonishingly even worse than K9 and Company. <laughs> oh, in fairness, I've only saw the first episode, so I, I, unless it turned around and became remarkably better after that first episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's I, true. I've only seen the pilot as well, but I just thought it was I, I a disaster. Get, I didn't get past that point. But I, I don't <laughs> think that, I think it only lasted that, one series, one season. I'm and sorry. the fact that all no 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 I was just saying the fact that all three of us watched that no further than that first episode <laughs> well, speaks volumes. That's true. <laughs> yes. So, but then Wait. Doctor Who had uh, better luck on its next spinoff, which was um, 
a, a, a name that was Doctor Who, but all the letters all turned around. We call it an anagram, and it was Torchwood, which um, fared fairly well. It had three three seasons, or th- that miniseries, or um, I guess you, a series, I guess you would call it. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you four, count them. Four, 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 yeah, was the, because there was, 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 yeah. was three that was the good one, the Children of Earth. Yeah, one, and then and then there was the the, the one that was in Miracle the, Day. The, Miracle that Day. That was a yeah. um, partnership with stars and. and um, which kind of brings us to our next. Oh, oh well, we forgot. I forgot the whole gist of what we were doing with with the class. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. There was a great segue for our next story, but we 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 we, 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 we skipped this story. We skipped this story though. Uh, so so yeah. So the, uh, class is not an anagram of anything. Maybe slack. Slack. Yeah. Slack. Don't want to think about it slacks. too much. Yeah. Slacks. <laughs> Slee Slacks. Uh, yeah, so Class is our new Doctor Who spinoff, which is um, in the works. Um, do we have a um, launch date for that yet? Isn't it coming? Uh, is it this fall? Good question. No, it's October, isn't it? It's October. Something that's October, October, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's this fall. Okay, so um, supposedly the, DD, the BBC has issued a statement saying that, um, that the new show will be uh, dark and sexy and it won't be really meant for kids. Um, it's uh, aimed at young adults, and um, what that defines, I'm not sure, you know, as far as what, who defines what a young adult. I just assume teens and above, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I always t- sort of judge these things not based on age. You know, I think every parent probably needs to make an assessment of their own children, whether or not they're mature enough to understand what fantasy is and um, and what isn't. So, um or, or maybe preview the first episode ahead of time, you know. Um, I know as a child myself, I was, you know, I I wasn't shy of watching, <laughs> um, much to the chagrin of, of maybe my parents, whatever, I would watch, uh, you know, horror films. They, they all thought I was going to get nightmares, but it, never, it was never the case. Because I knew they were just horror movies. I knew there was, it was fiction. Fiction! <laughs> So it, you know, your miles may vary depending on your kid. Everyone's individual, so everyone's different. So I, I don't, you know. Anyway, I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts about that. No, the only that in the UK, it's not going to be actually on the terrestrial channel. It's going to be on the BBC channel. That's now a, um, an internet only channel. Of course, it will oh. be on BBC America. Three. Oh, that's says, right. Yes, class will premiere on BBC Three on in October 2016. The series will also air on BBC America later this year. Okay. So when exactly? And see, and I think uh, that is far as far as being in the digital age, computer age. I think that should have been same day because because everyone's yes. going to be clamoring for it. Well, you know. What's going to happen? Everyone's going to right, exactly, and that's the find other ways you know, of getting it. Yeah. Right, as we always have. So it's it, it. You know, they learned that from Doctor Who that you know make it available the same day, and this way everyone has an opportunity to get it in a you know official capacity. Exactly. 
But yeah, it's it's a principal writer, as far as we know, is uh, is Patrick Ness, who I I don't know, but is always identified as young adult author Patrick Ness. So I guess I thought that the target market was people who are twelve. Mm-hmm. And well, um, yeah, we always. I mean, from the from the onset, I you know my first impression when I heard about Class was that it was sort of it was like a replacement of the Sarah Jane Adventures. That's another spinoff I failed to mention. Um, it was sort of yeah. going to be like aim, you know, to fill the the hole that unfortunately that left because of the sad passing of of of, of Elizabeth Sladen. So, um, you know, and it takes place at the Coal Hill School, you know. So, mm-hmm. and rumor is it that um, that um, um, you know we'll we'll see the twelfth Doctor, you know, in the first episode. Yeah, he's listed as a guest in the cast. You know, as part of the cast, he's listed as, right. you know, Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, they, they, it's been funny the way they, because I mean, I, I I saw the pictures and I couldn't make out whether they were students or the teachers, because the yeah. indeterminate <laughs> age, you know, the uh, Happy Days type of age where they look like. <laughs> you know, they shouldn't still be at school, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought, like you, Lewis, I thought it was going to be like Wizards and Ali- the Aliens mm-hmm. or whatever it was, the, the, the Russell C. Davis one from uh, a while back. But it's obviously going to deal with um, young adult themes, I think, is going to be the, the way it's being pitched at. I, and and this is a question for you, Dave, since you're in the UK. The, the, they list it as the sixth formers of, of Coal Hill Academy. Uh, so in the school system in the UK, what is a sixth formers or former? The, those are the people the last year of school before they uh, go off to university. Got you. Okay. Uh, so what so we, here we call 12th grade. Yeah. Basically. Or seniors. Exactly. Our seniors, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I think in America you have junior high and then senior high. The, 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 these are, as I say, the in some places, they'd still be in uniform. In some schools, they'd be the top year and allowed to go into school not wearing uniforms, basically getting ready for them going on to university. So I can see it being a little bit more adult theme or, or not necessarily adult theme, but a little bit more mature if they're about to go off, you know, college, university. You know, they're not your preteen as the you know the I was thinking it was going to be the age of the girl who was in the eighth series that he took to the moon. Yeah, that was right. what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, Same, I yeah. think that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, <clears throat> or, or perhaps the kids in the Sarah Jane Adventures. But oh, exactly. Yeah, I, I think this is probably if you if you're looking for an analogy, it, it'd be like uh, uh, the the class in Buffy where you know. This week, the 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 worst, uh, most frightening experience ever, the prom, <laughs> you know, and uh, and you know, the fighting alien, you know, wizards and all sorts one week, and then the biggest scare they've got to wear, you know, th- something for the prom or have a date for the prom. <laughs> That's right. Well, they'll be the kids, the age of the kids in uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. All right. Well, I guess it's, uh, they're supposed to be like the Susan Foreman's class. Um, That's true. You're right. <laughs> okay, Dave, this is just funny. You said about Buffy, you mentioned that, uh, you know, th- they had to tackle the prom. Guess what the title of the first episode of class is? The prom? 
the prom. <laughs> no, I'm not you joking. You nailed it. You nailed it. Nailed Which it. is really, really strange because that's only just coming in in this UK. Okay, it's a sort of Chelsea set of bringing that in. Um, we're about 10 years ago, we started doing Halloween because that was not really big in the UK. And now all these girls have found another excuse to uh, dress up. Uh, uh, and it's the prom. The boys get dragged to it, I think, in the UK. It's not, uh, if I can be adult for one moment, hmm. it's not a rite of passage as it might be in America. Ah. Interesting. Hmm. Probably because in the UK the rite of passage has already sailed. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, well that's serious, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they just BBC says the new show will be dark and sexy. That's what it says. It's sort of what they say about our podcast too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're family friendly. Yes, we are. Indeed. Except for the times when we're not. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's that. But uh, yeah. So speaking of us, Doctor Who uh, spinoffs, there is the one that was the anagram of Doctor Who and. Uh, uh, a Steemo has spoken out about Torchwood, uh, as some have been saying that he's he personally is preventing there being more Torchwood. Well, that's because um, I think John Barrowman had said something that he maybe had tweeted something or had said something at a at a, at a convention at, uh, mm-hmm. at World Wizard World Comic Con. Um, Barrowman had mentioned that. The current lead writer and executive producer, Stephen Moffat, was the reason why Torture would not be back, to which Moffat had clarified he is not the one of those obstacles. Yeah, it, it may have been some slight coincidence with the fact that a new big finish had come out with uh, called uh, The Lives of Captain Jack. Uh, so um, I think in some ways uh, it's promoting the audio adventures as well. I mean, I uh, don't think he's ever averse to a bit publicity um but um yeah there's um the lives of captain jack uh, further adventures with a new series coming june 2017 uh, and i suppose at one of these events he was asked well why isn't there any you know more torture on tv but um uh, as quite rightly said um uh, steve moffitt um has said there's, there's no issue with it at all well, By the way, yeah, Stephen Moffat was at an awards ceremony just recently, wasn't he? Yes, the, uh, yes, he was just on. Um, I think the Emmys. I I just happened. To, I, I don't even watch. I don't even watch the awards shows. But I just wow, happened to yeah, be, I didn't know. I I just happened to be visiting someone that had it on, and it just so happened to be that's when they they had um, something for Sherlock, and one I don't I don't recall what the award was, but Sherlock oh, won. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah it was a short form. And yeah, several so awards. He came there. up on stage and accepted the award, yeah. and so there, Stephen Moffat was there. Yes, of course, yes. So, but um, but getting back to Torchwood, he's. Um, I mean, it's always been Russell T Davies' um, show, Torchwood, not not Stephen Moffat's. And if anything, Steve, I mean, I know Stephen Moffat created the um, the Captain Jack character, so I don't. I mean, I. I mean, I don't know what his feelings are about Torchwood himself. Um, you know, but I. I mean, I don't know why he would work to block it or... Th- he didn't, I don't think he's... No, I think I it's a non-story. Yeah. No, right. he, he said that he was actually um, 
what do you say, a bit cross about uh, about uh, John Berriman saying that because he he loves uh, Torchwood and that he would really really like to see it come back. So he said uh, he said not only am I not standing in the way, I'm not in a position to stand in the way of it. Well, maybe because um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm j- I just speculating what might be going in, in through John Berriman's head about him not being. Um, asked back to Doctor Who since, but though there's been rumors that he has, or I don't know what's going on. Well, I know he wanted to come back for the 50th, and they didn't have a place for him, so to speak. And then uh, there was a rumor out, and I think I mentioned it even on our last recording, that he might be the companion for Christmas. And now, of course, we know that that's not the case. So maybe there's a little bit of, yeah. I wanted to you know, come back yet again, and there was no place for me. And of course, John Barman has been so busy recently. I doubt if he could have uh, could have fit it it's in anyway. Um, hmm. It's a good point. But boy, I, I really would like to see Captain Jack again. So yeah, so here, here. Uh, yeah, I think we all would either be in um, Doctor Who or Torchwood or both. Or he'll be in class hitting on these uh, 16-year-old girls in there. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. And the boys and uh, everybody else. Yes. You never know. You never know. All right. Well, we, we said we we're going to stay family-friendly, so let's uh, on to that Okay, point. moving on, yes. <laughs> we'll go to the Christmas special, which is... It's hard to talk about Captain Jack and stay friendly. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> well, just before you go on, the, uh, the, the, the award that he was uh, getting the prize for was um, the abominable bride, Sherlock, yes, the abom- yes, abominable right. bride. It was that. That was up against mm-hmm. a very Murray Christmas all the way, confirmation, and Luther. Um, so that was the, the section he was... You are um, correct. Yes, and if you've seen Abominable Bride, you can understand why it won. I thought it was magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> you are correct, Dave. <laughs> so, the only thing, the, yeah, the only other award I was disappointed is that the the night manager with Tom Hiddleston didn't do a bit better because I thought mm. that was fabulous. But that, we're getting off Dalek now. Well, in fact, we're getting off Cyberman as well. True, true. Yeah. Well, now speaking of Jeopardy, uh, this isn't part of the news, but I'll just interject uh, something that both Lee and I um, were privy of uh, before we, we we were talking about it before we started recording was that. On today's Jeopardy, as we record this on the 21st of September 2016, Doctor Who made it in um, once again on Jeopardy. So as anyone that's familiar with Jeopardy, they um, they give clues in the forms of questions and that uh, no, in the forms of answers and the <laughs> contestants have to answer in the form of a question. So the answer was and the question obviously the contestant has to give the answer so it went something and I'm paraphrasing here it was uh, Peter Davison was the fifth actor in this series title in this title series um, whose daughter went on to marry the tenth actor in the same series something like that and um, of course the answer was what is Doctor Who 
I just did a quick Google search for uh, Jeopardy Doctor Who, looking to see uh, you know if I could find that particular answer. And I'm sure someone will post a picture of it soon. But uh, a lot of other people have a lot of other questions or answers, I guess, have turned up over the years. And uh, one of them, I love this. Uh, one of the clues one time or the answers was uh, this British character has died at least seven times, including from Spectrox poison. <laughs> Luckily, he regenerates. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> they actually actually name checked Spectrox, and that you know. and that's a while ago. If it was only seven times at the time, that's true. It says yeah, at least exactly. seven times, right? And another one of the answers that they've used on Jeopardy was Torchwood is an anagram and a spinoff of this BBC show. Yeah, I think I, I might have seen that one. Yeah. yeah, I know I posted a few of them when I've seen them. Like I, I in the past, I've gotten uh, I've taken pictures of the screen of the question, but this time. I was in the middle of doing something on my iPhone and I wasn't able to, it was too late. And I, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't home. I wasn't at my T. I could have like, you know, went with the DVR, go back in time. You could do that with DVRs, which we're both, we we're time travelers in that sense. But um, <laughs> That's this, right. We're television time travelers. Aren't we all? All right, so uh, so that brings us uh, to Christmas, right? We, we didn't get to the Christmas story. We're on it now, right? Yes, no, maybe. Is it Christmas Correct. yet? Yep, it's, it's Christmas. the last day of summer as we record this, which means Hooray. we're heading into fall, and before you know it, yeah. it'll be Halloween, and then Thanksgiving, and then whammo, it's Christmas, and then I'll be shoveling yeah. snow. Right. <laughs> and looking forward to summer. <laughs> <laughs> and in a lot of the stores we shop at, there are Christmas decorations out, so. Yes. Sure. It's yeah. sad, sad situation, yes. <laughs> so, uh, does, does Kyle want to take this one? He hasn't done one yet. Go for not it. working him hard enough. Go for it, Kyle. You want to take? You want to tackle the Christmas uh, story? Well, sure. Um, for Christmas, we have a returning uh, companion. Nordle will be returning at Christmas, so um, that's quite interesting. We, uh, we discussed that Lee and I a little bit last week and speculated: Is this pre-robot Nordle? Is this? Did how did he get his head back? If not pre-robot uh, Nordle, but uh, it looks like we will have Nordle back. And on top of that, uh, Capaldi has been, uh, was quoted as saying, we're on at Christmas, and then it starts again in April. Hey. Woo-hoo. April 15th, 2017, tax day in the U.S. Ah, cool. So and a reason to actually look forward to April 15th. Exactly. And uh, I'll let someone else take this part of it, but I'll segue into it by saying Christmas is going to come a little bit early this year. <laughs> you mean in early November? In well, early November uh, with a very powerful gift. Again, just to inject there, the 15th was just speculation. The, the BBC, I think it's – I don't think they're, they confirm that, I don't think. I think they're, they're staying – or – or, may, or they have, and the, previously they were vague about spring 2017. Mm, Mid-April. What day is the 15th on? That's it is the, a Saturday. Ah, I so uh, there you go. Yeah. So then yeah. more validity there. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep enjoying the, the, uh, the prospect of April 15th rushing toward us. Right, but considering the fact that November is rushing head uh, strong right at us in a very 
powerful way. Powerful. Someone take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is, because uh, uh, I know, Kyle, on your thing, you, you mentioned another casting uh, thing. I don't think on Podshot we've mentioned the other casting that's been announced for the new series, have we? Uh, a certain um, detective uh, that uh, oh, Lee is yeah. familiar with. That's a good point. Yes, yes very good point. Um, yes, Lee, so take that one. We've Go seen for it. Yeah, we've seen uh, behind-the-scenes photos of uh, David Suchet, who, known to many of us uh, for playing uh, uh, Hercule Poirot on television, uh, is uh, we know that he's going to be in this next series of Doctor Who. And uh, I love David Suchet, so it's going to be fun to see him on Doctor Who. We have no clue yet who he's playing. Uh, what was his name? It was the... Oh, they they actually named him. Oh, uh, oh we do. Okay. Is, it, the, oh, is he going to be meddling? Well, See, that's the, that's what I'm the, wondering. It's that's something the speculation like... that we have. We both really want him to be the time meddler, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think we always want somebody to be the time meddler. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. All right, I'll look. I'll, I'm going to look that up, okay. uh, and then we'll yeah. come back to it. Well, all this stuff is quenching our thirst for Doctor Who. Um, you know, we had. Um, as previously mentioned in the news segment, we, we talked about class. We talked about the Christmas special. We talked about, uh, well, Torchwood not being blocked. <laughs> Isn't really positive news, but we're not saying Torchwood is coming back, but we know it's not being blocked, by blocked at least not by Moffat. Um, it'd be better if we had Torchwood news to talk about, you know, actual Torchwood news. So, but... Um, you know, we're are you know in this episode, as I mentioned earlier on the top of the show, we're going to be reviewing the Moon Base, which is a classic Troughton episode, which leads us to what's new on Doctor Who. It's Patrick Troughton. Well, what's always <laughs> yeah. new again? And yeah. he's not the landlord. And the landlord, but the landlord is David Suchet. That's, That's right. The landlord. The landlord. Yes. Yeah, so it may be something completely trivial, but somehow I doubt it. Correct. So, but, but back to Patrick. Yes, Fouchard. power of the power of the Daleks. Yes, is what we're it's time for yeah. renewal, uh, and this absolutely. time I have been renewed. <laughs> and this time, it's um, not a moment too soon. It's uh, Patrick Troughton. So, this is um, great news. So, as any Doctor Who fan would know, um, especially uh, unless you're a fresh newbie that's just, you know, aren't just familiar with the new series as, you know, the current series. Um, and maybe you haven't really explored past episodes. But unfortunately, back in the day, the BBC found this miracle that's called videotape. And what's great about it, it's very economical because you could record over it. <laughs> And record new shows on it, and mm. um, you know you don't have to waste it, and it doesn't take up archi archive space. Well, anyway, um, we've lost um, a substantial amount of Doctor Who um, in those early days because of that. Um, no one really thought that there would be a market for you know decades later. People are hungry and anxious to consume Doctor Who still. Um, they they thought of it as you know once it was broadcast or and once it you know made its round in the overseas markets it was done and over with and time to move on and create new episodes and that was it. So as a result, we have um, ninety some odd episodes I think of lost ninety. Currently we're at ninety seven episodes of missing Doctor Who in the archives. And 
one of them is the uh, power of the Daleks, which was the a, an important story because it was the first time that we got to see a, the first story of a regenerated Doctor. So it was uh, Patrick Troughton's debut as the Doctor, and um, and we're glad, we're fortunate, we're happy to report that it's being um, released in an animated version. So. What, um, as I said, that we have missing episodes, but what's good about it is that I mean, um, is that we have the original audios, audios um, from these episodes. So that's why they are able to make these animated um, missing episodes to kind of patch some of the, the stories that are partially missing. And but this is an entire story that's missing that they've done an animated version of, and it's. Um, it's um, going to be marking its 50th anniversary with the airing on BBC. Um, when is it coming on? It's later, later it's this like year. November the 5th. November 5th. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're going to be talking mm. about uh, a story that's had two episodes uh, animated, and that was done by Studio Planet 55 Studios. Is this a different company doing this one? I, I think it is. So the style is different. I noticed yes. that when, when I first saw a uh, clip of this, and it was like, and it was really like, didn't have any description on it, it was just like around YouTube or whatever. And, and it, um, it, we were, we were um, kind of skeptical whether or not it was legit or not, if it was fan made or it was, if, or if it was actually what we were looking at. Because it looked very much different than the animated the, the animated style that we saw already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Planet Fifty Five Studios, uh, they're working on uh, did the Doctor Who Ten Planet and Doctor Who the Moon Base, <laughs> and I nearly had a shot because uh, I also looked on their site, Planet Fifty Five Studios, and they're doing a series called Prisoner Zero, and I thought, oh, from New Doctor Who, <laughs> Prisoner Zero, but it's not. It's um, science fiction adventure series of teenage heroes, but um, um, so, but it doesn't seem to sound the story I'm looking at or the page I'm looking at doesn't seem to say who's doing the animation on this one. But you're right, it does look stylistically different. And I think it's being done uh, in conjunction with BBC America as more so than, of course, I know the mm-hmm. BBC would have to be involved, but this is more seemingly a BBC America project from from the information I read. All right. Hence, probably the different animators. All right. Well, we're just ple- I mean, we have this. It's it's a sh- such a shame that so many so many episodes are missing. And since we do have the audio, it, it's great that we get to see on at least see them in some form. If not, you know, if we can't get the originals back, though, it would be, it would be interesting if at some point if the originals or at least some of the episodes of the power or any of the ones that have been animated, you know, do come to light to do a comparison of how they recreated it with animation compared to like the original episode. If it is, if, if it is ever recovered, it'd be an interesting, you know, side by side comparison. I'm sure fans would do if that ever did happen. You know, this isn't quite side by side, but in a way we got to see that a little bit in in the story we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because even though, you know, you had the animation and you were going back, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, but even though you were going back, you know, seeing animated and then you had the live Mm -hmm. action episodes, they did a very good job of keeping 
continuity going between the mm -hmm. two. Yeah, yeah, I, that really struck me uh, looking at it again too. Uh, uh, if the in Moonbase, uh, the first episode that we have is an animation animated reconstruction. So after watching that, then we go to the live action one in episode two. My sort of my instinctual thought was, "Wow, the live action of this animated film is really good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They really did a good job reconstructing everything they saw in the animated version. Exactly. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Look, at, look, at the, look at the attention to detail they put into this. Yeah. Especially in the first part when they're sort of recapping what happened in the previous episode. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. How did they do that? <laughs> but Power of the Daleks is six episodes, and I think that's one of the things I'm excited about is that um, it's a it's a good long serial to to have uh, brought back to us mm. this way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's Patrick Troughton's first whole adventure as the Doctor. It's uh, uh, its place in Doctor Who history is, um, you know, beyond uh, debate. It's. I mean, the thing is, I don't know how long it takes to animate six episodes, but you could almost say that the fact that Doctor Who is off our screens has played into their hands and made it a little bit more commercially viable. Because, uh, as we all know, when there's no Doctor Who on TV, people seek, you know, audio adventures or, or what have you. So, uh, and as we know, all, all all the stories that were available have now been released on DVD, uh, as far as I, I understand it anyway. Um, so there is room for new issues of this, which uh, of this, which will be one. Well, yeah, I mean. But to Lee's point, I mean, we always said in Doctor Who Podshock that um, that Patrick Troughton's probably maybe mm. next to William Hartnell one of the most important actors to for the series because if he failed, if if he wasn't accepted as the Doctor, we probably wouldn't be doing a podcast today, and we exactly. probably wouldn't be doing right. wouldn't be any Peter Capaldi or Matt mm -hmm. Smith or um, right. David Tennant, and we go backwards to the whole list. It would have been just one of these. Uh, short, you know, three-year, four-year sci-fi series from the 60s, Lost in Time. Yeah. Yep. So something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Absolutely. You can well, it sounds like we're all going to get it. So uh, surely we need to do a, uh, a Podshock review of the episode once we all have it in hand. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be, but as we said, it's it's going to it will be on BBC America as well. Is it now? Is it going to be both at the same time, or is there going to be a gap? Good question. Let's find out. Power of the Daleks is released on BBC Store on November fifth, according to this article. But it doesn't say anything about BBC America or. Well, let's yeah. just hope that it's it will be available. You know, sort of like what they did with Web of Fear and um, um, what's the other story that, that was released on iTunes? Um, no, actually, that came, uh, that, that came out before the DVD, didn't yeah. it? Something oh, about the the enemy, uh, the enemy of the world, yeah. enemy of the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm looking at an LA Times article, and it says November twelfth. So. Maybe that's maybe it's a week later in the U.S. I, maybe, yeah. Soonish. Soonish. Yes. In any case, November. Let's say. They should. What summer's over? It's summer over, guys. All right. As of today, I think so. Uh, 
well, it's coinciding with the 50th anniversary so um, of the Power of the Daleks, which is kind of, you know, we're, the story that we're about to review in this story, in this episode, we're only about six months away from its 50th anniversary, which is mm. weird because it feels like we just celebrated Doctor Who's 50th anniversary, and I can't believe that so much time has right. passed already since that. Uh, here we go. BBC Store on the 5th of November, which would be exactly 50 years after the original broadcast. And then the DVD release will be on November the 21st. Okay. But I wonder if that's Region 1 and 2 or just mm. Region 2 or... Yeah, will there be an online digital... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep our fingers, let's keep our recorders crossed. <laughs> <laughs> And he means the kind you play yes. by blowing into one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap things up for the news, unless anyone else has any other newsy stuff to talk about. Not from here. Nope. Let's head to the moon base. <laughs> well, in other news, there is a report of a Hurricane Lucy over Florida. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Never. And it was in Alaska only the day before. <laughs> yes. So that's a, Lucy. Lucy. <laughs> you got some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not Lucy. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back after these messages. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's sad, really, isn't it? They really don't talk like that in Moonbase. They don't. No, they don't. <laughs> Hi, this is Fraser Hines, and you're listening to a Doctor Who Podshock. Hi, this is Lee Shackleford reminding you that Doctor Who Podshock is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible. Just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles. Let me say that again. 150,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook in it. And these files play on iPhones, Kindles, iPads, any smartphone. In fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Dr. Who Ponchak, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. You can choose anything at all from that vast library, but we know you'll want to get one of their delicious Doctor Who titles. They're performed for you by actors you know and love, wonderful voices, uh, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, David Tennant, on and on it goes. Try it out for 30 days, and if at the end of that month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So... Let me put it this way, free Doctor Who book, right? So here's how to get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash podjock. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash podjock. Pick your free book. You're going to love it. Duchess, but I have seen pictures of the moon's surface, and that's what this looks like. That's the moon. Doctor, is it the moon? <laughs> well, you weren't too far out, were you? Only about 200 million miles. All right. 
Let's move on. While we can. Now, wait a minute. You don't expect to land us on the moon and moon and just let us fly off just like that, do you? Yeah, at least let's have a look round. That picture can it be the moon. The moon's way up in the sky. Where do you think you're going? We're not going to tell us it's now, surely. Oh, please, Doctor. The TARDIS isn't out of control or anything, is oh, it? No, 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 no. It was just a, a, a bumpy landing, that's all. Yeah. Well, if you must go ashore, only half an hour. Right. Super. You can't go ashore like that. You need spacesuits. There's no atmosphere out there. Come on, there's some in the chest. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock once again. This is Lewis, Lewis Trapani with Lee Shackelford, Dave Cooper, and Kyle Jones. And we're on the moon. Or so it seems. All right. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Mars at first, and then, yeah, the Mars base. Yeah. So that music, mm-hmm. by the way, guys, is just like hypnotic almost. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really love it. It's it's perfect for the episode. It does provide atmosphere. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so, on the moon. Satellite that doesn't have any. Yes. So Moonbase is a Patrick Troughton story, Second Doctor. It was um, it originally aired on the 11th of February, 1967, um, through, through March 4th, uh, again, 1967. So as we said before, we're about uh, approximately half a year away from its 50th anniversary, believe it or not. And it just feels weird talking about it because it feels like we just had the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who itself and already we're in... Right. You know, if or you know, if we align ourselves to when the series began, we're already in the Troughton era. You know, if um, wow, yeah, that that was a a quick um, run, yeah. And, so, and then we had the tenth anniversary of Doctor Who after that too. Yes, just we to, had the tenth yeah, anniversary. Right. Wobbly, yeah. <laughs> but looking at who the companions were, this was not long uh, after Troughton had taken over. Yeah, because um, we had. Um, Annika Wills as Polly, uh, Michael Craze as Ben Jackson, and Fraser Hines as Jamie McCrimmon. And actually, because of that, J- um, uh, Fraser Hines wasn't originally slated to be a companion. Originally, they, he just worked so well when he was, um, you know, introduced that they. And it's not the first time. Well, it's it's not the last time that happened either, because that happened. Um, uh, later on, once again in Doctor Who, where a guest worked out so well, they want they they decided to keep them on as a companion, mm-hmm. and so Fraser Hines was uh, kept on as Jamie, and um, because of that, um, this really wasn't written to have Jamie in it. So um, the writers, uh, which was uh, Kit Petla, and producer was Ian Lloyd, and um, script editor was Jerry Davis. So they had kind of had to work him into the story, but they essentially rid him out of the story. Right. He's only nominally in it. But yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he was, um, in, as, as Lee said, he, he's, well, before we go any further, as always, um, if you haven't seen this yet before, take caution because there will be, um, as you know, spoilers. 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 Again. Spoilers. 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 
I had to do uh, that. I had to do that last one for Kyle. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I guess I mean if you haven't seen it yet, so it spoilers does pertain. People are probably scratching the head, Lewis. It's kind of, you just said it was almost fifty years old, and you're giving spoilers for something that's fifty years old. I think the, the spoiler clock ran out. Well, if you hadn't seen it, then it's the it's, it, it means it's a spoiler. I mean, this is um, you know, if you like I said. That's what it, that's the way it is. That's what that's what's great about Doctor Who is that you could just be you could be in love with Doctor Who and been watching it since like the last ten years, but if you've never seen any past episode, there's a treasure trove of, of material to go back to. And so I don't want to hear you whining that there's no Doctor Who this year because <laughs> there's fifty years worth of Doctor Who yeah. to explore. Just have to go back and dig for it. Yes. Yeah. And I'm still, I still scratch my head and ponder when I meet up with fans. They say, oh, you know, I still have yet to watch any of the classic episodes. Like, well, oh. what's Why keeping not? you? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of who out there. And especially since you got nothing else distracting you right now with new Doctor Who, let's go and explore. Actually, I mean, that's one of the things that attracted me to Doctor Who was that at the time when I was discovering it, you know, back in its early days when it was uh, when it was in its, approaching its 20th anniversary, mm. <laughs> we had yeah. two decades worth of material that I could explore. And, and it was all new stuff to me where I had seen every back then it was only the original series, every Star Trek episode that there was. And I saw the animated right. ones and, you know, I, I seen all the Lost in Space. I've seen all the Buck Rogers and, you know, there was nothing new. And um, and that's what the great appeal was that here was a great show that had a history and that I could then explore. There was books, even though those episodes weren't being shown at that time, um, it was a rich history right. to explore. And then there were there were new episodes that, that had callbacks to the originals, you know, um, I mean, um, some people criticize Jonathan Turner for doing a lot of those um, stories with, that were relying on the past, but I, to me, that wow. it wasn't, it didn't alienate me. It made me more interested in what came before it. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is as well, uh, when you were watching it on the uh, the public channels in America, you were only sten- ostensibly seeing uh, the fourth. You know, they started with Robot, didn't they? Yes. Mm-hmm. Went all right. the way through the end, and then they rehashed those. So you know. Um, John Pertwee never really got a look in in the early days in no, America, no, as far as I understand. No, it was a long and, time before I ever saw him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was. Uh, I would. I would say probably was um, eighty six or eighty seven before um, they started showing uh, both Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee. That's right. Wow. Our, our, our PBS affiliate, when I was in graduate school, and that was in the mid-'80s, yeah, then they started the run with Spearhead from Space, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, who's this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's that guy I saw lying on the floor at the beginning of Robot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. About them. And, yeah. Uh, and, and today, the only one that's now being made onto Blu-ray. How about yeah, that? because that was shot entirely on film, so they were yeah. able to do that. Uh-huh. Something else to say about the uh, the fact that this is uh, that the moon base is uh, almost 50 years old is that um, when we were watching it for for our discussion here, I was struck by the fact that Ben says that he's he knows what the surface of the moon looks like, and I thought, would he have actually in 1967? So I had to go look that up, and sure enough, we'd gotten our first really close up pictures mm-hmm. from Lunar Orbiter One in 1966. 
So, um, you know, and I'm sure that was in all the papers. You know, I was five. I don't remember, but, you know, um, but yeah. So the the Apollo missions had started. The Apollo missions had started then. I mean, obviously it was Apollo uh, 11 that actually got to the moon, but there were a few rockets before that. Yeah, yeah, its job was to find landing sites for Apollo 11. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah, Ben did know what the the surface of the moon looked like. But it's understandable that um, Jamie doesn't know what the moon looks like. So. It's that thing in the sky. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's made of cheese. <laughs> it's an, isn't it an egg? Uh, oh, that's Nobody in space ever mentions the fact that they're on the surface of a, di- of a dragon egg. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a notable omission here. Hmm. So, uh, so this is also uh, another classic for another reason. It's um, the second time. You know, so we talked about the power of the Daleks being, you know, um, it was it rested on Patrick Troughton's shoulders to bring the series, you know, forward. And if he wasn't accepted, we, there would be no Doctor Who going forward. Well, I guess in a way, I guess if this story wasn't accepted, there may not be any Cybermen left because this was actually the second time the Cybermen appeared. Before that, they were wrapped in like um, almost like mummies. They, they were it's like like burn t- victims. Yeah, they looked like burn victims almost, mm. and they spoke like this all the time. So, um, and this time they got modified. They looked um, probably more like what we traditionally think of Cybermen. They didn't have the big helmet lights, like the big like uh, headlights on their heads, and like the, and the, like they did originally. So, um, and each time they you still- we saw the accordion. The accordion, they still yeah. had the accordion yeah. on the chest, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. But for this, their, for this, their downtime. This was like a step forward to where they will eventually be, though. And it's mm-hmm. you know, and it was a running joke back in the early days because every time we would see the Cybermen, they would be modified, you know, once again. Which, and I guess it sort of makes sense because they're you know that's what they do. They modify themselves and right. Um, so they they were constantly improving the Cybermen. And in that way, forerunners of um, Star Trek The Next Generation's villain, the Borg, uh, even down to claiming at one point in Moonbase that resistance is useless. Yes. Yeah. Just a hair's breadth away from saying it's futile. Hmm. And um, it's a classic base under siege story, like so many yeah. other Doctor Who stories. But I, I, you know, watching it, and you guys may have. Uh, um, better recollection because I, I watched this actually about a month ago um, and then we, that's when we ha- sort of decided that hey let's review this but um, but I remember watching it um, and of course you know I, I seen like the reconstructions you know years before that but but now we finally get to see the the whole story because it's animated the missing that as we were talking about earlier in the news story that there are lots of missing 97 missing episodes of Doctor Who well this is a four four part story and two of them are missing and um, it happens to be episodes one and three are missing so um, it actually starts off with an animated episode and then we go into the live action and then it follows by an, an animated episode so it's great that they were able to reconstruct this in an animated form and we get to see the story today, you know, in as close as we could to how it originally was. Um, as far as we know, I, I was saying before, it'd be kind of interesting if, if any of these episodes are recovered and we could then compare it to how they reconstructed it animated-wise to how it actually was and how similar or, or dissimilar they are. But um, mm-hmm. 
but watching it, I felt it was very similar to what um, might be shown today. You know, I could see this story actually as the Twelfth Doctor and companion. Um, I could, you know, because we had some recent base under siege type of stories in recent years, and I could see this actually playing out. Um, you know, of course, it would be updated, and you know, um, as Datu is today, but um, but I, I think it's it's a timeless story in itself because um, because of that. You know, yeah. it's interesting that you said that because I remember uh, when we, when I was watching the first episode of the Moon Base, comparing in my head a memory of the most recent underwater that you're referring to mm-hmm. uh, that story, and it was like the base looked very very similar, and mm-hmm. I would love to put them side by side with each other, but it's it's it was almost like they did the underwater base to make it look like the moon base. I was just thinking the same thing, yeah. One of the things that I thought was going to be a negative uh, when watching this was the fact that, as you say, that it was the first episode that was animated, and you think, well, that's going to make it difficult to get into. But in actual fact, I found uh, that worked very well because... um, it was almost a pleasant surprise when I went to to live action on the second one, and then I was thinking to myself, well, actually, <laughs> they've done that rather well, um, and that reinforced the thing. It wasn't as though I'd watched uh, the first episode and that was real footage, and then suddenly, oh, I've got to make do with an, a, animation. Uh, um, I, I thought it actually worked for them. Um, you know, we've often said this before in other stories. You know, if uh, because sometimes it's a forced episode story and you could almost say, well, they could have skipped one of those episodes. It was just filler. Uh, it can sometimes depend which episode is missing as to how much it degrades the enjoyment of the story in of itself. Um, and you could argue the same here with, you know, which are, are construct, uh, reconstructed and which are original. And, and I, going into this, I thought this would have been a bad way. But in actual fact, it worked very well. The first one was animated, but we ended uh, the final episode, episode four, is the most action-packed of the four, and that's the one that we see, um, you know, uh, as it went out. So I think it worked very well. Viewing figures, by the way, uh, over eight million for all the episodes. Of course, less competition in those days. Yeah. Mm. It's just imagine anything today being seen by eight million people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today everything's kind of divided so drastically. You know, back then, yes. you you know, just like even the state in the U.S., you only had three networks back then. Right. If you got all three of the networks, some you know, the more yeah. rural you were, true. the less chance yeah. you had. That's true. I grew up with two. Yes. <laughs> Very true. If. I remember if you turn the outside antenna just right, you might mm-hmm. get this channel. <laughs> and then, oh, well, you really wanted to watch this. Well, let's hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> uh, uh, the, one of the things that struck me, uh, I don't know that it struck you guys as much, but um, uh, even though, I mean, it, you're saying it's 50 years ago, it, it was 67. To me, watching it, 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 it actually, the... the um, the way the people on the space station were talking on the moon station was was almost old-fashioned. Um, 
Now, you see, this is my age. You probably think, well, 67 was old-fashioned. But what I meant is 67 was the age of, you know, going to the moon and, mm-hmm. and space exploration. I'm thinking that's the future. Uh, the, the Two of the, the, the lead actors, uh, there was... Uh, Patrick Barr, mm-hmm. who was playing the the, awesome. uh, the yeah, he was playing the lead, very well known character actor here in the UK, and it probably came across screen. He was a sort of typical RAF, uh, you know, come on, we'll give him a good show, and uh, yeah, counting on us, and uh, you know, the, 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 his whole vernacular was, um, you know, um, uh, like a military leader yeah. of a. I think, and he has a great um, personality. The, the kind him. of role that in the movies was. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> a I series. mean, that would have been played by William Horton. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been in an awful <laughs> lot of you. If you've looked at some of his uh, credits on Wiki, the, the Patrick Barr, um, died age 77 in 1985. But um, yeah, he's, he's been in lots of stuff. Almost two, di- but uh, the most likely one is the the Dam Busters from 1955, which I think is one of the ones that crosses uh, the most boundaries. And, and the other one that um, uh, caught my eye was, um, if I can pronounce his name, uh, Andre Marianne, is it? Uh, who play? <laughs> you can tell it was the French one because he had a neckerchief. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't have any onions over his shoulder, but he had the neckerchief <laughs> on. Uh, and if you notice, by the way, I don't know whether everybody picked this up, um, they all had their national flag yeah. on the front yeah, of their an, thing. Absolutely. So yeah, Swedish that. guy from well, that's Switzerland. Uh, was great. That, that's what's, I mean, again, bringing it back to today, you know, um, to, we have the International Space Station, you know, which comprises of, of different uh, nations. And here you have various nations represented here on this moon base. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly difficult with it being in black and white to, to pick out the flags, but they were there nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the French actor, again, he's been in an awful lot of stuff here in the UK because he was sort of the rent rent the Frenchman if they wanted one for a TV <laughs> well, we series. You need a French person. Call up that actor. <laughs> Yeah. Andre, French yeah, you don't need to bring your onions for this one. Oh, you need to bring your onions for this one. Um, uh, and he, again, got, got a great uh, filmography of the stuff uh, that he was in. Uh, he's even been in uh, uh, James Bond in Thunderball, but uh, all sorts of things he's been in. Um, so uh, I, I thought that, that was... They were quite a strong character, but I did think that the way they were talking... Now, come on, chaps, we've got to sort this out. And um, um, the, the, uh, the graviton that was on uh, cardboard sticks was a little bit fragile, uh, as was the sort of dodecahedron uh, surrounding it. Um, I mean, I thought they were being a bit... I thought they were being a bit blasé trying to keep the uh, air from going out into the vacuum with a plastic bag to start with. I thought that was a little bit... Uh, <laughs> although the the uh, the drinks tray was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. But, well, it uh, works, yeah. Actually, I think there was an accident uh, um, during the, the making of this where I think the graviton uh, prop fell and it almost hit someone in that... Uh, uh, um, I, I seem to remember that in one of the uh, maybe one of the um, extras on the DVD at the time. I can't remember the particulars mm. of that. I'm going to have to go back and, and review that. But I, I, that since you said that, Dave, it just ranked, just brought that back to mind. 
Well, the only the only boob I noticed was the fact that the 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 chap who was had been taken over by the Cybermen in the fourth episode goes to take over the controls of that. Uh, he, he knocks the man out that is operating it, uh, and he puts the skull cap on back to front. And then the next time you see him, he's got the right way around. But uh, that was the only fluff that I noticed. Weren't they like shower caps? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume it was supposed to be that he was, you know, it was monitoring his yeah. brain activity. Yeah. Well, as always with Doctor Who, I, I, I'm very forgiving when it comes to wobbly sets and, um, you know, effects that may not be spectacular, but it's, um, it's the story and characters that, are, that drive me. Well, I think some of them were done very well. I mean, the moon surface looked a bit poor at the beginning because we saw them go out and there was this sort of crater that was about three feet across. And I thought, that's a, that's a bit of a smidgy crater. But in the fourth episode, when the Cybermen are coming, especially, as we've all said, the very, very appropriate and dramatic music that accompanied that, uh, that really looked quite epic. And um, uh, the uh, even the, the distance of the horizon... Mm-hmm. Uh, when you've seen the Apollo missions look right, you know, because the, right. the horizon's not as far away on the moon, and also you could see some stars. Now, you could argue uh, one of the big uh, uh, things about uh, the moon mission was that, well, they never went to the moon because you couldn't see any stars. And, mm. and the answer to that was, well, it was in sunlight or earth light or whatever you want to call it it was earth light so you wouldn't have seen the stars because well, yeah. in well, comparison the, photograph the cameras wouldn't pick it up anyway i mean you right. would, yeah would, yeah you would have to leave the aperture open really wide and, and keep the shutter open yeah. really long for the stars to show and then everything and then all your subject matter will be blurry because they'd be yeah, blurry. Uh, and before somebody else takes over i mean i thought the effect of the cybermen you know being sort of di- uh, you know uh, floating off into space where all the well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hear a little bit more from the episode. Oh, well, you better go and ask Mr. Hobson where the rest is. Yeah, right. It's all right, Jim. It's all right. You're going to get better, but you must lie still. Oh, what is this place? Is it the home of the Piper? No, we're on the moon. You know, the moon up in the sky. Oh, no, I can't be alive. I've just seen the Piper. Those uh, lightning effects work quite well. You know, the the static balls or what mm. they did to, to create yeah. that work rather well. I couldn't believe he was talking about Billy Piper years before Rose character was introduced. <laughs> He's talking about Billy Piper. <laughs> Piper. Oh, and I was going to say something really, really clever. Oh, I'm you sorry. Totally, I, I, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. That was that was brilliant. <laughs> It's like he's watching Doctor Who. He's having illusions, and he's like he's delusional, and he's watching Doctor Who in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. (laughs) I I thought it worked. I mean, like you said, he wasn't supposed to be in this episode, but I thought it worked rather well that um, you know that Jamie both 
they got around the idea he didn't have dialogue having him have an accident on the way because of course he wouldn't know how to behave on the moon where perhaps the others knew a little bit that it was lower gravity and he didn't um but the very fact that he banged his head made him then unusable by the Cybermen because they because the, mm-hmm. the one bit they need not to be messed about with is the brain in effect because they're yeah. replacing the other bits aren't they mm. good point That's what they said and you know, uh, as um, we were getting ready to come on the air, my my wife and I were talking about um, evolution of gender roles in television, and you know, as we often do. And uh, I was telling her, how, you know, that it, I found it kind of irksome that um, Polly, who has been through all of this stuff, she's been traveling through space and time. She's on the surface of the moon, for heaven's sake, and then she catches a glimpse of a Cyberman and screams like she's eight years old. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I thought, well, actually, um, before that same episode is over, Jamie also screams when he sees the Cyberman. the Piper. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Piper. Like... You let me down there, Lee. I thought, I, I thought you were going to say to your wife, uh, just make me some coffee, because, you know, they have polymate the coffee. That's right. Well, you know, uh, the, the coffee thing, I think it's talked about a lot in this episode, but he does ask her. He doesn't tell her to go make the coffee. He asks her, and she says, yeah, sure, all right. You know, it, it's it's not a it's not really a condescension, but, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm getting deja vu because when we were talking about, and I'm thinking it was uh, the, the, the one about the Silurians when they um, – had was it um, not Liz Shaw, but it was Joe Grant, where she was dismissed and said, you know, go make the coffee. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. Now now Joe being told to go make the coffee. That to me that's real different. <laughs> it was. It wasn't that. That was the Green Death or something. Nah, Green Death. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this and, was um, different when the fact that it it played part in in. The, um, it wasn't just like oh well we're we're thirsty we need coffee. It was actually. Um, play part in the story of, of coming to the conclusion of, uh, that they that they you know that it was sugar. it was the sugar and all that so um, mm-hmm. you know she it was a vital yeah. role of her making it's the coffee. Happen. <laughs> well, one thing I thought was rather funny, you know, I mean, uh, although they did give her some credit because she was the one that worked out that uh, these things would you know nail varnishes. Well, again, that was sexist, I know, but at least she knew that it was this stuff that that. Nail varnish is like plastic and it dissolves the plastic. So uh, they're, they're going to get all these different uh, acids and things um, and it's going to dissolve plastic. But, of course, what do we keep acids in? We've got to keep them in plastic, plastic bottles. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. But, so, but yeah, I, I thought that was brilliant. I yeah. thought, you know, three cheers for Polly. She yeah. says, hey, acetone, let's, mm. <laughs> you know, that's great. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize this until uh, about halfway through the first episode. But for me, this was the first Troughton uh, episode or serial or story, however you want to call it, that did not include Jamie, Victoria or Zoe as the companions. This was my first time seeing Mm -hmm. one with someone other than the three of them. And I was like, oh, cool. I, yeah. I I like them. I mean, I've said this before, and I know some people call it the crowded Tartars, but I always enjoy when there's multiple companions because I, I think it's mm-hmm. when it's just. I mean, not that there's two, just one companion is bad, but it just it just adds a little diversity to it. So it's not always just the companion interacting with the doctor, and then the companion has to take the role of 
being, you know, what is it, doctor? Why is it, why, you know, questioning everything just so that they could uh, answer it to the audience. But now you get the companions interacting with each other and and driving little subplots with them, you know, and having like sub stories with them and their characters interacting with each other um, outside of the doctor, and then um, and then they can sort of gang up on the doctor as well or take sides, and it just I don't know, I just find it a little bit more interesting when it's mm-hmm. just the just the duality of one doctor and one companion. Yeah, yeah. I think the other point is that, like you said, that he wasn't expected to be in this episode but um, because in actual fact Ben and uh, Jamie work better in the Underwater Many story because of course they'd, they'd been equally scripted uh, to come into that whereas you say this this was the, they, they found that they've got somebody that they want to keep um, uh, we should just say that the, well I'll say that the Underwater Menace was the previous story and then of course it finishes right at the end with uh, the, the claw of what's mm-hmm. going to be the Macra Terror which we don't see again until Gridlock I think yeah, yeah Gridlock yeah yeah. It would have been cool. I mean, you mentioned the spacesuits, though. It would have been cool if the if if the doctor brought out these orange spacesuits. You know, and, uh, granted it's black and white, but it, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice. Yeah, what a nice connection that would yeah. have been. Um, but again, they did something quite clever with that. Uh, I mean, I know they had like uh, very flimsy suits on, but when they went in, uh, when the first two guys went out, they went into the inner chamber, and then they were both checking each other's. That the seals were right and their air was right. I mean, it was very perfunctory, yeah, but they, they were trying it, it, it to. Tried. Be, yeah, they tried. They tried it. Yeah. I, I give them. Right. I give them a lot of credit for that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's you know because then because years later we have you know the doctor out in space with just a little uh, thing for oxygen and playing you know throwing cricket balls in space and you right. know. So at least they had spacesuits, at least. <laughs> well, yeah. And by the new series, we found that you could open the TARDIS doors in space and just, oh, just yes. sit out. <laughs> just sit outside. Of course, this yeah. is the gravity envelope that comes around the TARDIS. So, you know, we have yeah, to explain yeah. it somehow. Well, I, I must admit, I did think about that when, when we came to... Right, I mean, we're jumping towards the end, but when they're going back into the TARDIS, I'm thinking, well... As the, as the TARDIS got an airlock, because they're walking, you know, there's all the air rushing out of the TARDIS, you know. Mm-hmm. But since the TARDIS is almost infinite in size, it's got infinite air almost, doesn't it? As there well? you go. Yeah, that's right. You, the, the, you can lose a few uh, it, kilograms. Yeah. It protects its passengers somehow. <laughs> you know, another uh, a couple of things that I noticed was, uh, and I know we mentioned that this was early in Troughton's run, but the, they were still using the writing logo of how, you know, the, the font that they had used with Hartnell. I thought that was interesting. And another thing, uh, he was referring to the 500-year diary. Several, I think it was in the first episode, he was looking in that several times. So you could still pick up, for me, little bits and pieces of, this is not too far after he's regenerated into this incarnation. Well, well, one of the things that I picked up as well was the uh, the fact that... Um, now, was it Ben? I think it was Ben that said towards the end uh, uh, something like, I haven't heard that from the ni- since the 1960s or something like that, uh, when he's on the moon. And, of course, the reason that he and uh, Polly leave uh, is in a later story, when they suddenly find they're on Earth the same day that they'd left in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. um, in something like uh, July the 
66 or something. Yeah. Um, but he mentions he mentions the 60s or 66 in this story, which must have been that they were already getting to write them out. And maybe they were still looking for another companion, and they they suddenly twigged that actually Jamie was suitable, already proved himself in a couple of earlier stories, uh, and they went with with that. I mean, that's one thing that that, that Doctor Who's not been afraid to do. I mean, in this case, Jamie was continuing on in the same character, but being kept on. And we, we we've talked about it before. We? We've had failed companions, people that we thought were going to become companions who, who didn't, and some got disappointed with that. Um, uh, and then there's been others that have been actually had a minor part, um, like Martha, who played a cousin. Uh, uh, but then they bring the actress back. Hmm. True. That's right. And, you know, there's another thing. You guys know that I love quotes and finding quotes from Doctor Who. And there was one thing that the Doctor said in that first episode that I w- would pause it, rewind it, pause it, rewind it until I had written it down. So here it is. Um, there, There is some evil here and we must stay. There are some corners of the universe which have bred the most horrible things, things that act against everything we believe in. They must be fault. That that was wow. good to me. I like that. It's a powerful that. line, yeah. It is. That's terrific. Well, the, I, I, the whole episode had this dark, somber feel to it, you know. Um, it, it took itself very seriously. And, and Troughton took himself very seriously here. There was no, oh, my giddy ants, you know, in this no. episode. He was um, he took it very seriously. So it was a, a nice, um, you know, episode, a nice story that you can watch to see a, mere, a more serious tone Troughton um, portrayal of the doctor. Um, I, you know, I think part of it was also that Patrick Char- Patrick Parr, who's playing Hobson, um, they had a history together. And so um, he was, um, I guess, you know, trying to work on his level as well, you know, and and brought it to another level, his portrayal as a doctor. And he took it, he, he decided to take a very serious turn on, you know, um, portraying the doctor in this story. Well, here's a little bit more from the Moonbase. Devastate the whole Earth with that field takes hold. We've got to do something. Earth Control calling Moonbase, come in, please. Remain still. Hello, Moonbase, come in, please. You will all be Moonbase, come in, please. Hello? Reading on five centimeter band, come in. Your last routine signal was not received. Over. We are not receiving you. Over. If you hear us and cannot transmit, fire sodium rocket. We shall see flare. What does that mean? It's a distress rocket. It ejects sodium into the into space and then the sun lights the sodium into a yellow flare. What will your earth do if they do not see the flare? Well, the... No, they'll think we're all dead. They'll do nothing. Standing by to observe Flair. Yeah, the, the, the way they're talking on that radio, to me, sounds more 1950s than 1960s. <laughs> but... I'm standing by to observe the Flair. 
with their is it Lino is the right expression is it perceived English or received English or well, perceived that's right yeah yeah although you know but maybe we'll we'll be speaking that way again in 2070 exactly ah very good point I'll, I'll tell you when you get there <laughs> just keep me yeah, away I'll, from the hurricanes exactly especially Lucy that. exactly <laughs> well, it, 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 actually never mind that we'll probably all four of us be living on the moon in a retirement home uh, doing, still doing podcasts well you know well, they said that when I was a little youngster in, in, yes, in school you know they said you know <laughs> The teachers would say, you know, we, you know, I won't make it there, but you guys will. I'm like, well, um, that's not <laughs> still <happening>. waiting. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty seventy, I'll be a hundred and ten, so that one sixth gravity, I'm sure, will be uh, uh, very comforting. Yeah, it's the new facelift. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I won't be far behind you, Lee. Well, I'll be equivalent to the oldest woman who ever lived. That French woman, about about hundred and twenty six. So that's they, right. Uh, yeah. But we'll yeah we'll we'll still be uh, still be doing the podcast live uh, from the moon from the actual moon <laughs> no, no. oh yeah from the no, actual you moon you only decide the one will it be from the moon <laughs> well speaking of the frailties of the human body one of the things I like about this uh, this serial is that we see for the first time sort of the process of becoming a Cyberman right. We we didn't really get that in Tenth Planet. We 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 see somebody who is being controlled by the Cybermen, and clearly he's. Or my my sense was that he's. This is a uh, an intermediate step towards becoming a getting fully assimilated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was it was pretty you know because they searched the base and they couldn't find him. I thought it was a little you know there was a little. Um, interesting play that they did. You know, the, the one room they didn't search was the room they were already in. <laughs> All yeah. in. They'd done that earlier, hadn't they, in the first Doctor story, um, where the cyber, uh, where the Daleks were. Oh, mind you, that was the Dalek way of controlling people, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, the Robo Men. Yeah, the Robo Men. Yeah, but, yeah but, that's, that's but, not a yeah. Yeah, Dalek invasion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but right, uh, yeah. it's just Cyberman. Uh, right, but but you're right. It's the same thing. You've got somebody you put on somebody's head, and then they're under your control. Um, I, I I was I was eager to ask you guys this too because this has been bothering me. I, I love the effect of the the virus that we can sort of see oh, it yeah. forcing like, through their like the ve- like mm-hmm. like the veins or the circuitry. Yeah. Or the- Right, and then and then the doctor tells us that it's actually following the path of the, 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 nervous. the nervous system, yeah. but, it, but it looks circulatory. But we we saw that later on in the series, didn't we? And I can't think where. Where yeah, else have we seen it? I know what you're saying, and it, and it had like this um, effect to it, you know, mm-hmm. had like this um, glow, like a glowing or effect right. in it. Yeah, I, yeah, I know the, the, I know what you're talking about, and I and I was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. And I couldn't really put my mind on where where. Where we're going to see it, it again? Uh, is it not? Yeah, they did it like throbbing, didn't they? It was like a throbbing, right. and luminous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Was it now? It, now, when I saw it, it reminded me of the episode. I think it was Nightmare in Silver, where the Doctor had the mind, uh, where, oh, where he yeah. had the cyber thing on his face. Right. But I, I, uh, I think we're talking about sometime in the third or fourth Doctor, yeah, though. It's, I'm, I'm it's, thinking, a, it's a Philip Hinchcliffe kind of thing. It's I'm a, thinking no, 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 OCR. I, I knew that, but I'm, I'm thinking saying where they, they, also. Where they, where they did the OCR, where the um, 
you know, the, the green screen, like they, they must have like some mm. something on them right. to, to yeah. they did some sort of CSO, work right. yeah. to, mm. to create that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to going to find out what that was <laughs> yeah some some listener is going to going to chime in here i hope and the close of access or something was it yeah. I, I i thought it was seeds of doom and went back and watched it and that's not what happens when you touch the pot in seeds of doom but yeah it may have been in claws of access I, i'm thinking the 1970s yes yeah it's it's definitely a i think of it as being a 70s thing but anyway so and the clip we just heard that was heard one of my takeaways from Moonbase was uh, Cyberman and, and we, I know we've been mon, um, you know monic- um, mimicking the um, Cybermans in, in, at least you know in this episode of Doctor Who Podshop but they actually did modify the voice so they didn't speak so much like that as they did originally but it's uh, Peter Hawkins did the Cyberman voices here you know that voice will never do for Siri you know <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, I don't want that on my uh, Tom Tom either. No. <laughs> oh, good one. Like that. Oh, and speaking of Cybermen, we this is also another um, pinnacle episode because it marks the debut of John Levine in Doctor Who. He's uncredited, but he plays a Cyberman. Well, now oh, I read that catch. somewhere, good and catch. then I was looking for him in the closing titles. Yeah, okay, he's so uncredited. he is there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And he, How about that? he returns as a Yeti in Web of Fear, but he's, um, his original debut in Doctor Who was in this story as a Cyberman. Ah. <laughs> so he hadn't received credit Yeti. <laughs> Yeti. Yeah. Ah, very good. Very good. That's <laughs> totally a bon- Bonneville. Yeah. It's always there a Bonneville joke. But uh, isn't there a character in this serial named Benson? I th- as well. So, so yeah, I was already thinking about John Levine. Anyway. The, the fellow who gets uh, halfway converted to Cyberman is uh, also named Beckett, and we just see his initials, so he's S. Beckett. So I thought, well. Ah, uh, Sam. Yeah, oh. poor Irish playwright has been turned into a, a Cyberman. Oh, no, I'm thinking yeah. Quantum Leap. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, different. <laughs> uh, here's a last clip from um, the Moonbase. Good. We've barricaded the sick bay with half the tables and chairs in the base, but it won't hold forever, Doctor. Well done, Ben. Here's another one for you. What do we do with him, Doctor? That's your problem. Just make sure he doesn't come back here for a while. Blimey, I'll be after job as a copper when I get back to 1966. <laughs> Mr. Hobson, <coughs> I've got an idea. Doctor, what do you make of this? Made by a laser beam, I should think. Is there anything known to science the Cybermen haven't got? Well, they haven't got a Gravitron, or they wouldn't be after yours. Just have to stand guard in here with their cyber guns. Not much use, I'm afraid. They are getting reinforcements. What? Looks like another of their spaceships. Look who's there. Another one! Soon find out. You stay here. I must report this to Mr. Hobson. Yeah, I think we must again give give out absolute credits to the the sound effects, the atmosphere. Um, 
you know, actually supporting and overcoming uh, the sort of simplicity of the set. Uh, and there we got that thing by where where Ben mentions uh, getting back to 66. Mm -hmm. right. And that's where um, mm -hmm. it's only a couple of episodes after the Macro Terror. It's the faceless ones, the end of that, where, where they leave, where they suddenly find out they're back on Earth at the right time. Which, remember, is exactly what happened to... Um, the first companions, isn't it? Um, oh my God! Why did they? Barbara, Barbara. And Ian. Barbara mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they they, they were in a storm. They suddenly found out they were back on Earth in the right mm -hmm. time. They they think because the doctor at that time it was even more emphasised that he couldn't control where the TARDIS went, and it was then they decided that now was the time to resume their lives. Yeah. <laughs> For Tegan, it would take a lot longer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So yeah, uh, sound effects I thought were brilliant and very absolutely yeah. 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 The whole sound design of this serial really does. You're right; it really does help um, sell this whole story. Yeah. So um, I think I'm going to give it. Um, I, I think for its place in history and um, just because it's uh, it's it's a tight episode um i mean story-wise it's four episodes of course and um it's just great having it brought back to life with the animated i didn't have any problems with the animation i think they did it very well i think we were speaking i might have been before we were recording how well they um sort of like took like took clues from the live action and brought it to the animation so it was all, the continuity was all there it wasn't like a jarring effect going from one to the other um, so it all seemed to flow flawlessly, you know, and, you know, granted, you know, not, it wasn't, you know, the animation wasn't, you know, X amount of frames per minute that, that they had a certain budget they had to work on. So, you know, um, the animation is what it is, but it still brings the episode to life and we get to see, you know, the, the story to life, you know, and we get to see the whole story complete. Um, and I kind of like the, you know, the fact that this is the second outing of the Cybermen and um, I think it's a, a timeless story because I think it could play today as well and for that I'm going to give it I'm going to give it four out of five TARDIS groans Okay, well, if we're doing it out of ten, I give it a cyberdyne. I mean, a nine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> since we're not, I'll give it cyberdyne. <laughs> I'll give it. Uh, I can't give it four and a half. I'll, I'll give it four. Uh, and I, I do think, um, actually, if they'd gone for even better animation, I think it would have jarred. I think uh, that would have shown up the episode to be inferior, which uh, mm. would not be the case. And uh, if they did one thing right with the animation, it was the blink rate. I think they were blinking about 11 times a minute, which is about right. Um, oh. So, so that, I wouldn't have. That's very uh, keen of you to notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's um, important. It's important. Yeah. yeah. No, I th and and also the faces were very well. I mean, oh, yeah. I said yeah, that, the likenesses. Yeah. Patrick yeah, Troughton has got a face of black and white. Uh, I think it was Darth Skeptical that mentioned that on on Colton a while back. That yeah. he, you know, because he's got this sort of craggy look. That uh, you could argue that some doctors do. He, he, and um, even the beautiful Polly looks. I'd forgotten she wore that. That she, this is a pun, really. She wore a shell suit, but it was actually made of shells, not not the keep fit shell suit that 
people wore later on. Very funny thing, right in the first episode when they arrive on well, the moon. The, 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 uh, previous ep- the previous story was the underwater menace. Yeah, well, exactly. There you see. Yeah, it all fits. It all fits. It's all there for a reason. Uh, I, I actually quite liked as well um, the sort of confrontation a bit between uh, uh, Ben and Jamie. I thought that worked rather well, and mm-hmm. and, sh- and and Polly having to step in and say, you know, you know, we've got bigger things here, guys, and you're, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you're. Um, no, I won't make a comment, but you're sort yeah. of measuring up to one another, you know. So. There you go. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I don't think uh, the animation detracted from it. I think um, it was complementary mm-hmm. to it, uh, and um, it, it flowed very nicely, and especially with the linking scenes for the next episode, where the animation and of, like, the Cyberman walking, and then you see the next episode, and the, the film Cyberman walking... I suppose that gave them the the key to the encryption of the the video in a way. That was the sort of uh, the tell that gave them how to do it. But it, yeah. it worked. Yeah, it uh, just worked. It worked. But the the I think the music and the sound effects probably uh, actually uh, transcend the uh, the sets and uh, and other things and I did like of course from my point of view seeing a couple of uh, very strong character actors playing uh, two of the lead roles in the base so a, a very uh, again if if we're assuming when we do this that classic series get a different scale of rating to the new series because uh, again I've heard before that. Every, even the worst new series episode is better in production levels than any classic one. But on 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 a classic scale, it's a four out of five. Well, as I always say, I try to judge it based on when yeah. the time yeah. that it was released. You know, so yeah. um, I yeah. don't. I mean, and and then to to judge. I mean, you can't really judge the production values against today's no. No. productions. You know, because it's, it's like apples and oranges. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you guys both, you know, I think you hit it on on all the things that you said. The only thing I would add to that was, you know, for for fans who have not seen anybody else interact other than, like I said, Jamie or Zoe or even Victoria, that opportunity to be able to see him interact with other companions, particularly his first two companions as that incarnation. I mean, that alone in itself makes me give it, you know, the four like you guys did. But the music, again, I'm I'm hearing it right now in my head. Um, That was just so well done. So, yes, a very solid four. Yeah, I have to go with four, too. And I'm I'm thinking about... um, um, you know, one of my reasons for liking this one so much is that I, I think it's easy for me to forget until I watch them again, just that uh, Polly is really easy to look at. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, to be fair, uh, so is so are Ben and Jamie. So, you know, there's there's something for everyone there. And she makes a great cup just, of coffee. And she, <laughs> <laughs> and she knows that acetone dissolves a plastic too. Yes. So like, I yeah. give her that as well. But uh, <laughs> very, 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 very attractive. I mean, I saw who at the Fab Cafe, uh, not the first Hooverville. I think Hooverville Eight has just gone. So obviously it was eight years ago, uh, and she's a 
uh, a lovely lady. Absolutely yeah. lovely lady. Still is, yeah. And if Jamie wasn't yeah. sick, he would have made the coffee, I'm sure. Yeah, that's Absolutely. right. Yeah, I, he may not know what that is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He would have, he would have had a, a go. Um, golly, there was something else I wanted to say about this, so now I've forgotten oh, what sorry. it was. I, or something. I, yeah, I, I brought up the. No, no, I, I'm, I'm just uh, it's just a complete. Your uh, memory needs to be upgraded. Graded. It does. I really am looking for a, some kind of a chip that I can slide into my head every now and then, and I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, it is. Oh, oh, yeah, I know what it was. <laughs> I, I, I got updated. I've got to go with the with the, the four out of five here too. Even though uh, uh, um, one of the things that tickled me was uh, the doctor's um, incredibly unsterile um, procedures while he's supposedly doing a medical examination. Oh. In the midst of which he mentions that he was taught at uh, University of Edinburgh by Joseph Lister, who would certainly have uh, hit the roof if he saw how unsterile everything was. <laughs> Being the one who who uh, sort of uh, turned on to the need for a sterile environment when you're doing it. Um, and, uh, and here's some trivia for you, that there's another uh, episode where the second doctor mentions that he, um, that he does have a real doctorate on Earth, and it's from the University of Edinburgh, and that he studied with Joseph Bell. And um, Joseph Bell is important to us Sherlockians because he is actually the, 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 bottle. the bottle. Yeah, he really is who uh, Sherlock Holmes is based on. Yeah. And Bell and Lister were contemporaries who really were both teaching there. So, wow. so the doctor really could have studied with both of them. That's and I think it was the 11th or the 12th. One of those two doctors, 11 or 12, have made reference to getting his, you know, studying you're right. Um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, tooth and claw. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The doctor. He 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 sort of uh, waves his uh, uh, psychic paper around and mentions uh, Joseph Bell. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm looking at uh, part of uh, Moonbase again right now as we're talking, and just uh, it's, it really is uh, frequently it's a visual knockout. Uh, you know, it's uh, the the wobbly sets and so on, notwithstanding some of the way that it's photographed is yeah. just uh, I thought, really beautiful. Yeah, I thought the lighting also, uh, you know, the um, I mean, it's granted it's black and white, but I think it created that whole mood that, uh, and then the music accompanied it, and it just all came together. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we're all in agreement. Four out of five for the moon base. So check it out. It's available on DVD. On, it's uh, maybe available on streaming as well, depending on your service. As um, The DVD is um, It's both in the Region 1 and Region 2. It's story number 33. Oh, yeah, that was another thing. That was uh, We were debating... <laughs> Because we were originally going to do this for our 11th anniversary and uh, for Dr. Upachak. So I said, well, we, we had decided on picking a Patrick Chowton story. Oh, and, that's right. And so I said, well, you know, uh, 11 was, I think, a, um, it still was a Hartnell story. So we could go with either 33 or 44. And 33 was mm -hmm. Moonbase and 44 is the Dominators. So we went yeah. with Moonbase. <laughs> And we may yet do Dominators, too. We still may, yes. Well, it's got Zoe in it. I hope we do. There you are. Well, maybe our listeners can be prepared and start watching that. <laughs> you know, we may be doing it next. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to round out our review. Unless anyone else has any other further comments about the Moonbase, we'll go to feedback. Anyone have anything else to say? Well, 
Well, just one last thing. The, the, the people who did that animation, uh, Planet 55 Studios, uh, the team, you can go to their page, uh, uh, Jason Haig Ellery is one of them, of course, has been in Doctor Who, uh, Gary L Russell, who's obviously associated with Doctor Who, mm. and Joshua Campbell. They're, they're people that that love Doctor Who. So I think that love came through in the an yeah. animation. Yeah, I think that's important yeah. when there's a passion that already exists, you know, it's going to show in their work, you know, as opposed to people that just disassociated with the, the subject matter. If you have someone that's passionate about it, they, it's going to seep into the work, you know, um, and, and it's evident in this. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks to all those involved that had made this possible, and we enjoyed it. Absolutely. Are we? Are we going to feedback before we close out? Or gonna, not? Yeah, we have a couple of feedbacks to do. So first is um, we have one feedback from uh, uh, a longtime listener. Uh, we haven't heard from recently, but um, it's Blue Box Blue Box Roadster, not to be confused with Blue Box Bill, who's another avid feedback giver and avid listener of Dr. Hupachak. Um But this is, um, uh, this is uh, as I said, Blue Box, um, I think it's Andrew is his name? Well, he, I think he says it in, his, in the feedback. So uh, let him speak instead of me. And this is what he has to say. Greetings from Minnesota. This is Andrew, otherwise known as Blue Box Roadster, checking in. It's been a while, I think, since the uh, middle of last year and just kind of wanting to let you know where I am and what I've been up to and uh, some of my thoughts. So currently I'm on episode 275. Uh, since the last time I checked in, I'm, I'm definitely saddened to hear that James Norton is no longer going to be part of Podshock, at least on a regular basis. I do hope he shows up in the future. Um, definitely enjoy to listen to. It's been nice so, hearing listeners graduate to the main stage, the main microphone, so to speak, and become regular co-hosts. I've uh, definitely enjoyed that. You know, it's been uh, interesting as I'm listening uh, to the rumors of Tom Baker being part of the 50th. Gotta say, sometimes I guess rumors do come true. Uh, also enjoyed um, Ken saying there'd be no multi-doctor episode. Well, I guess even great ones can be wrong at times. You know, it's been interesting as far as um, recently I've, I've driven for Uber some, and I had a passenger whose name was Romana. Uh, <laughs> while we were on the way, I asked her, I said, you know, I've only known one other Romana, and that Romana was in Doctor Who. She laughed and said her parents were big Doctor Who fans. So I, I kind of got a chuckle out of that one. Anyway, I thought I would check in. Uh, definitely am enjoying every single episode. Um, so I'm going to jump back into my uh, Blue Box uh, Roadster and mosey along the way to Podshock and see what other fun and interesting tidbits that I will learn and um, hopefully can check back in the near future. So until then, adio. Well, thank you, Andrew, a.k.a. Blue Box Roadster. It's funny because we were just talking about, you know, our 11th anniversary and, um, you know, now we're in our 11th year and, or 12th, no, we're in our 12th year now. Um, so it's interesting that you're, you're listening to Doctor Who 
you know, Datu Pachak, uh, you know, catching up, you know, and so it's sort of like um, fitting that, you know, as we kind of reminisce on the past 11 years, you're sort of in that past 11 years catching up to the current, which um, since um, we had um, a spacing of episodes, you know, between after Sandy and um, and and uh, currently in this year, uh, you're probably catching up fairly sooner than uh, you would otherwise. So wow. I don't know when you'll be listening to this particular recording, um, but thank you for your feedback. Uh, well, you're here. You, you, you'll, yeah. be, you'll, you'll be in our future when you're listening to this. Well, let me just add that um, the episode he's uh, talking about, episode 279, uh, was done almost exactly four years ago, 28th of September 2012, mm. uh, talking about the power of three on that particular episode. Wow. So wow. that's one bit of feedback. The other thing is uh, James seems to be doing rather well. Uh, I posted... Um, uh, a picture of one of the wines I enjoy drinking, which is uh, Casalero del Diablo, which I love saying. And uh, James uh, posted that that was one of his favourite wines. So he's alive, well, and he's got a very, very uh, hirsute moustache at the moment. Yeah, well, he's... Um... I know, um, you know, he has a, he had a, at the time he had a, a new arrival in his family, so I'm sure um, he's busy. He's with quite the too. family man, yeah, yeah, certainly is. Thank you for the feedback. Yeah, and it, and it included an account of a, a living person named Romano. Romano. That would be the only one I've ever heard of. It. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least her parents didn't name her the full name. That's right. <laughs> well, you don't was, know what's on the birth certificate. That's right. It was either that or Fred. So. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I'll call you that's Fred. That's pity Ian's not here because he can say her name properly. Ron, yeah, and I'm, and I'm hearing Tom Baker say, Rundo. oh, I'm so sorry. So, it's either that or Fred. <laughs> okay, Fred. <laughs> I didn't like her in the Viking costume. I was that fourth doctor. I can't was the fourth doctor, yeah. Yes. All right, well, we also have feedback. Oh, and, and if you are listening to this uh, Blue Box Roadster, we did get your other feedback, but we're gonna, um, we'll do that for our next episode this way. Um, we'll, we'll space it out. Ooh, double dibs. Double dibs. So uh, the next one comes from... This is an email from Brian Madigan. So he writes... Just started, st I just started to watch my newly arrived copy of The Underwater Menace. So far, I'm very unimpressed with the recon of this episode, of, the, of episode one. Without the stage directions, it's very hard to follow the action. And they remain, they remain on the same photo for too long at, at times. This is vastly inferior to the version done by Loose Cannon. One must wonder why they didn't just license that version. So that's, and coincidentally, that's the story that precedes this one. And he had no way mm -hmm. of knowing that we would be doing um, yes. the, the moon base. So it's just coincidental. Yes. So I, I have yet to see that release of the Underwater Menace. And it's, it's sad that they didn't do the animation for that. You know, that would have been great. Instead of, um, from what he describes here, they, uh, they probably have stills. And they do, uh, um, they probably have the audio playing on, on this throughout the stills, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. I, I have still yet to pick that up myself. The reconstructions, the yeah. 
Yeah, the, the thing is, it has one of the greatest phrases from any doctor. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Nothing can stop Our me boss. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it for that alone. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. That's a quote there for for Kyle. Not as good as the, the Trouton quote, of course. Mm. But it was still good. <laughs> still good. So um, yeah, we. Have, I, I guess whenever I, I get my hands on that, I'll. I'll, I'll be maybe equally unimpressed, but they're um, at least I, I guess they um, they had to do it there themselves, you know. Um, you know, as far as I guess they couldn't take loose cannons work because um, probably of the way they have to pay or whatever. I don't. I, I have no idea how it all works, but I'm mm. sure that they, they had to recreate it themselves. Yeah. Uh, one of the funny things and shows how thick I am is uh, uh, when I watch Undermortem and this again, uh, and I'm thinking, gosh, it's very wishy-washy and watery, this picture. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's underwater. Underwater. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be wishy-washy. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> do, do, do. No, it's uh, a remind. It reminds me of seeing. You know, we're talking about earlier in this in this episode about how long it took before we got to see uh, Trouton episodes. How uh, in the states, how long it took before we got to see John Pertwee episodes, and um, and unfortunately, there was only um, only certain stations that originally got these episodes, and so uh, um, and at the time. This kind of date because it's going to date me. You know, this is back in the, t the time where I had to go out and actually fiddle with an outdoor antenna on the roof and point it right in the right spot to because I'm in New York and New Jersey was playing it. And in order to get that station, I had to like you know master it through the antenna and, and get that station and record it. And um, so many times it would be kind of grainy, you know, or fuzzy because of the antenna. And um, and I, I just attributed to you know that was like part of it you know and then um, and then when you finally get to see the pristine episodes as they existed um, you mm. know as they exist today and then you see oh that's just a paint those are painted roundels on uh, that's that's not how <laughs> I remember it you know it kind of you know sometimes so seeing like you know wishy washy things actually is an enhancement. <laughs> Yeah, they, they spend a fortune getting effects like that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think that's going to bring this episode of Talk to Podshock to an end, but that's not the last that you've heard of us because you can hear more of us elsewhere. First of all, uh, we, as we mentioned earlier, the, we just celebrated its seventh anniversary. The Cultum Collective, you can hear Dave and Ian and others on, was it the first Sunday of the month? Uh, last Sunday of the last month. Last uh, Sunday of the month. Yeah. We saved the best for the last, so it's the last Sunday of the month. And that's on uh, TalkShoe.com. Yep, and it's TalkShoe ID 54821. But we are doing commentaries. We're back doing Better Call Saul. We're just uh, doing commentaries on the season two of that. And Ian, if he's not here, I hope he's editing... That uh, recording we did recently. Oh, and then I can send him this episode. He can edit this as well. Yeah, <laughs> in his copious free time. That's that's as he where moonlights on the moon. That's where the real coffee is made, isn't the editing? All right. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, th- this episode will get out eventually. Uh, <laughs> Got to have to find time to edit it. Uh, but in that time, while this is being edited, you can also listen to Kyle and Lee and um, I'm sorry, Clarence. 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 Discussing Who, and this time they actually are discussing Who. Two episodes in a row, even. Yeah. And hey, and the episode immediately preceding that, we had an even better topic. Lee Shackelford himself. (laughs) Right. My God, what a bore. Oh, that's worth it. Oh, I enjoyed it. It was an excellent episode. And you know what? The last time we recorded, we were talking about, hey, we were up to episode five, but now we're mm-hmm. uh, about to record episode 19. So double digits. Double yeah. digits. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Ooh, a couple of more. You'll be able to drink on the podcast. Exactly. Wait until you get to 337. <laughs> Lee's going to be really, really excited. I say, and really, really old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be recording it on the moon. Exactly. 337 years old. (laughs) And not a moment too soon. Life doesn't begin until 500. (laughs) And you can catch probably um, all these shows on your favorite podcasting, podcast catcher client, be it um, iTunes or whatever. But uh, you can also, um, as I mentioned, talkshoe.com. But you can also find discussing who, where, Kyle? Uh, well, you can find us on iTunes, but uh, all of them are also available at discussingwho.com. And then we're also on Facebook. Very good. All right. Well, that's going to wrap. Oh, also, myself and, and Dave also appear on uh, completely. Well, it does. It's not completely unrelated. It does uh, sometimes dabble in sci fi trivia, but it's uh, a trivia podcast called Friday Night Quizmasters. And that's a live show every Friday night, mostly every Friday night, on uh, also on talk show. Yeah, that's uh, uh, 136, uh, 136456. And there you have it. So even when there's no Dr. Upachak, you'll hear us elsewhere. All right, until elsewhere comes and somewhere sometime comes, until the next time, this is Lou Strapani signing out and see you next time. Yep, my oxygen is running out now. My is going on. We're, we're all floating off into space. <laughs> you have been deleted. Delete. Delete. <laughs> Never, never been beaten that. <laughs> no, I was thinking the same thing while listening to that. You can't, you can't, you can't you, that's just the classic, yeah. Nothing yeah. beats it. 
You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. They'll devastate the whole Earth with that field takes hold. We've got to do something. Earth Control calling Moon Base. Come in, please. Remain still. Hello, Moon Base. Come in, please. You will all be Moon Base, come in, please. Hello? Reading on five centimeter band. Come in. Your last routine signal was not received. Over. We are not receiving you. Over. Over.